This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good afternoon, everyone. I trust you're having a good afternoon. Well, Dave, what's it doing out there now? Rain, drizzle, and fog? Surprise, surprise. This has been the month of rain, drizzle, and fog. Are we ever going to get a reprieve, one wonders? Anyway, uh, apparently um, we might on Saturday. And then uh, guess what? It's back to rain, drizzle, and fog. Well, to say as it, it, that it came as a surprise is an understatement. On December the 1st, the longtime president of one of the province's most outspoken and influential unions announced his plans to step down. Keith Sullivan has been with the FFAW for 18 years, the last eight of which have been as the successor to former President Earl McCurdy. He's been a fairly regular guest here on On Target over the last few years, and he joins me now. Hello. Hello and good day, Linda. Always good to talk to you. Well, it's great to talk to you too. A little bittersweet, I must say. Uh, so it appears as though you kept your cards pretty close to your chest. What prompted this decision? Well, I mean, it's uh, you know something I'd, I'd given lots of uh, thought to. I think the word used like uh, bittersweet is, is is definitely something as one with mixed emotion because obviously this is something near and dear to my heart almost two decades of working for these people and coming from a fishing family a fishing town something that i was involved with so it's something that a lot of a lot of passion for it just uh you know came uh at a time where i thought there was a, was a good opportunity for change so i discussed that uh things with my, my family and the other part of it is, you know, uh, being being here and particularly president for, for the last uh, eight years, I saw that there was a fantastic transition that happened in, in the organization. And, you know, we have uh, hundreds, literally hundreds of volunteers on different committees, whether that's negotiating or fisheries management or the local uh, plant executives. And then 30 people who get up every single day and work for these members who who do to do the job. So we're in a very good position for that that transition. So all of those factors kind of together said, you know, this is a is a is a good time. So you're still a young man, obviously, with a lot of work life ahead of you. Any plans? Uh, right now, the short answer is no. I don't have a specific. Uh, plans, but, uh, you know, definitely plan to, you know, certainly spend some time with uh, with family and friends, uh, give some uh, thought to what I might do next in the new year. So right now I've been uh, still pretty busy helping out in the transition. I was you know, happy the executive asked me to, to stay on until there's a new president in place to help out. So that's been, been really, really busy. So, you know, I, I think it's... Uh, an opportunity to do some things obviously haven't been able to do for a number of years i don't think it comes to surprise that uh, to anybody that it's, a, it's an intense job one that have a lot of uh, privilege and so happy to be able to do it and was extremely enjoyable but no doubt intense uh, at the same time as well so you know i think uh, you know in uh, in the new year i'll take uh, some time reflect and see what's next 
We all live uh, extremely busy lives, and no doubt being president of the FFAW, as you just in- it indicated, is is pretty intense. It's uh, it's not a nine to five for sure. It's twenty four seven, no doubt. Um, but any dreams that you'd like to uh, pursue, like things that have been on the back burner for a while because uh, work has dominated. Well, I'd say there's a lot of things you you kind of think about. I wouldn't say there's anything in particular, you know, right now. I think uh, really uh, kind of hit home in the new year, and I'll think about really what's next. You know, I, I'm, I feel like I said good with the the organisation here. Very proud of the work we've done, and you know, I do think I'd. Uh, there are probably lots to to give, certainly somewhere else before said and done, but I, I don't know what that exactly will be right now, is for sure. So 18 years is a big chunk of time. How did you get started with the FFAW? Well, the the, the start was actually the first position uh, was coordinating science programs. So anyone who's close to the organization would know that particularly since the 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 COD moratorium, there's been a a focus here from this organization understanding the importance of sustainability uh, and having good science, how important it is. So it built from COD Sentinel and worked in coordinating, uh, you know, whether it's lobster science uh, projects, uh, a crab survey that's really important. We have nearly 100 fishing crews do that every year, and it's a key tool. So pretty well all these uh, different science programs is what I was helping out with and coordinating first when I when I started. I suppose really some of the foundation was laid when I'd been, been fishing uh, before that and, you know, had some uh, science background in university. So that's what I started out at. And then, you know, the jobs evolved to, uh, you know, more hands-on and fisheries management and government relations and working with national, international organizations and partners over the years. But, you know, really did a lot of work and was a part of the, the science program of the FFAW I would say it was driven by uh, support from, from members and people who had the vision and understanding that this is something that we're going to be, need to be a part of in the future. And uh, saw that uh, program grow while I was there under sort of previous leadership. And even now, in recent years, we have you know uh, a dedicated fishery scientist, uh, Aaron Carruthers. Dr. Carruthers has been a great addition to the team in recent years. And since then, we've added other people with, you know, PhDs working with uh, issues around marine spatial planning, and we have an incredible team. So that was the start, and I was happy to see the continued growth of that uh, of that aspect of the, the organization. Even people who don't know you can clearly tell you're from the southern shore. <laughs> um, did that help to influence you in any way or, or shape uh, your passion for this job? <laughs> yeah, most people, yeah, uh, kind of got an idea where you're from, and that can be can be good and bad, I suppose, sometimes. But overall, no, I think people people recognise that where I I came from, and I suppose not that not that different than most of our coastal communities. You know, the the biggest game in town, you know, really was uh, was the fishery. Like my family was like I would say most, obviously not all, but most. So. Uh, my father was harvester. My mother worked uh, in in the fish plant for for many years. I had a little 
you know, spurts in the local fish plant, and same as my my brother, and then we worked uh, many years fishing, and and a lot of people did that in some capacity, either directly or indirectly. That's where where things came from. So, I I think having that experience, um, like it's, it's hard to kind of put that on a lot of resumes, but I suppose living that and being a part of a place like that was was definitely something that helped you in this job, you know what I mean? Kind of uh, intimately knowing and understanding a lot about the fishery. But with that said, what's on the southern shore, the main fisheries and issues can be significantly different than other areas as well. So you quickly learn that all areas and all fisheries and issues are far, far from the same. So no doubt, yeah, a lot of uh, unique um, circumstances depending where uh, in Newfoundland or Labrador you happen to be from. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I'd say it's one of those things that, um, you know, you, you, you think about the fishery and you think about it as one industry, but really, you know, it is you know, hundreds of different areas and fisheries. So people are kind of surprised when it seems like, oh, okay, there's uh, issues in the fishery. It's not it's not one thing. It's made up of really hundreds of different, uh, different sectors and aspects. So people shouldn't really be surprised in an industry that's so important for us. I mean, it's uh, certainly the most important in most regions of our province. And this year, again, the most valued of fishermen ever, you know, one and a quarter billion dollars directly into the pockets of, of harvesters, you know, obviously expanded on that, uh, the value uh, from that other industries add to it and then exports and everything else. So, uh, I mean, you look at that and understand that you're dealing with volatility in, in, in markets, uh, volatility in uh, quotas, uh, foreign currencies and how much that can change your what your your business uh, looks like year to year. So it shouldn't be surprising that you know it's it gets in the news and the changes. It's definitely not steady as she goes ever in, in the fishery as much as people would like to see the stability. It's just you know it's, it's not something that you can promise or deliver, but uh, I think we've done well for a number of years, and I think we're poised uh, to, to do well going going forward. I think we're in a real good position, not to say there won't be speed bumps, like obviously we see challenges in the economy and everything uh, coming up, but but overall, uh, you know, I, I think we've definitely uh, done well, and it's something to be, a lot of people to be proud of. Our guest today on On Target is the outgoing president of the FFAW, Keith Sullivan. We'll be back right after this. Join Brian Medor weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels. Newsmakers, weather, and more. Join us on your VOCM at noon. Our guest today is outgoing president of the FFAW, Keith Sullivan. And uh, Keith, uh, 18 years with the union, eight of which have been as president. What attracted you to taking on the top job? Well, uh, I, I guess I was before that. I had been, you know, kind of in senior roles, very involved in negotiations, and uh, it was something I was, you know, head and eyes into, and you know, really passionate about. And it came time, for, you know, I guess with Earl McCurdy, I, I think you know, it was uh, something that people probably would have seen, uh, considering the 
the, his age and everything. So I'd given it some some thought and you know support from uh, people around here in the organization and everything else. But it seemed like uh, even though it was you know definitely intimidating and a big jump, obviously at the time, you know I felt that most of the skills a lot to offer uh, offer people. Uh, you know I thought my experience with uh, you know whether it was people in the industrial side of our of our union or people in in fishing boats or fish plants and everything at the time. I've thought I had some good rapport, had some experience certainly in the collective bargaining and negotiating, and I felt uh, comfortable with that, you know, and I just saw it as a pretty amazing opportunity. And, uh, you know, so I was happy to put myself out there, and I'm I'm glad the the support came from from our membership and, you know, really, really did, I'd say, right up until this day and up to December 1st, an awful lot of uh, su- support from, from people and, you know, made you feel good about work uh, most days. I would say not all day, every day, but uh, certainly most days it was really positive and I can't say there's been any regret in that decision that was uh, that was over eight years ago now. So it was, uh, you know, particularly from my point of view, it has, uh, you know, certainly been one of the biggest privileges someone in this province could ever have is to, to work with the, the FFAW, which has just been, you know, uh, so influential in a positive way for our province and for workers and the industry, particularly those in coastal uh, Newfoundland and Labrador uh, over the last 50 years. So certainly uh, uh, happy with the work that's been done before, obviously, and proud of the last eight years, and I'm sure that's going to continue. Eight years feels like a long time and a, and a blink of an eye all at the same time. What would you consider among some of the highlights of, of those eight years? Well, uh, you know, I, I, when I, I think back on this, I, I guess that some of the moments that flash in your mind are probably not the ones that grabbed headlines. You know, you, you just the, the meetings with people, I always enjoyed, you know, being able to get out, meet people where they're working, you know, uh, whether it was aboard their boat and ahead of a wharf or on the shop floor and that. So I think, uh, you know, those are kind of the, 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 a lot of the memories and things that I have and I are, are the best part of it. And it's always a challenge to get out and do that more. Um, you know, g- generally, I think the, the, the body of work over eight years, the contracts that we've had in some tough times, the gains we've made, for workers, and I think like one way you see that, for example, is the value and the price of fisheries. So, the highlight is certainly uh, good to see that the last two years have been the most valuable uh, fisheries we've ever had in our history. Uh, fisheries that are you know growing in value, like halibut, we were able to negotiate a formula based on the market for halibut that gives fair and transparent returns, a good model for the for the future. Very similar thing in lobster. About 10 years ago, uh, the lobster is a relatively small fishery in this province in many ways. I mean, the value is $18 million. This year, it's over $101 million. We were able to implement a, uh, a formula based on market again there that was transparent and, and fair. It didn't come easy, you know. You think of one of some of the monumental moments uh, that we would have had was when we were trying to get this fair pricing. You know, we uh, companies weren't going to buy, weren't going to accept it, and fishermen said, "Okay, yeah, well, we'll ship out our own uh, our own lobster." So we were able to send truckloads out. We set up on the wharf. The union set up on the wharves on the south and the west coasts, 
and uh, you know harvesters put in a little bit extra work and sacrifice kind of up front and just showed that uh, you know we're sticking together on this uh, you know we've been dictated with prices that don't seem fair or transparent you know so i i, I think that those memories on the wharf in uh, in grand bank and on the bjorn peninsula is a positive uh, so many uh, more, I, I think, of, you know, LIFO in shrimp. So some of the listeners out there probably wouldn't be familiar with, but uh, there was, you know, uh, a move by those in the shrimp fishery uh, offshore groups and others to remove inshore harvesters from the fishery because they didn't get access till till, till later. Uh but at the time, we filled halls in St. Anthony and Gander and in St. John's. We had, you know, over a thousand people at these demonstrations. And uh, just the support from the community, I, I can remember all the businesses and people in the municipalities. Really, when we were able to, you know, lay out the arguments that the value of the fishery goes beyond those just in the, the fishing communities, you know, I think of uh, Claude Elliott conversations with, who was the mayor of Gander, <laughs> I would say, I've uh, come from away fame, uh, talking about just the difference of a strong fishery. And the result was, to make the long story short, is that because of that, there have been hundreds of millions of dollars go to inshore harvesters and people in plants and communities. And, and, uh, without a, a campaign that got a favorable decision for for Newfoundland and Labrador and inshore harvesters, that fishery wouldn't exist, and there would be hundreds and hundreds of jobs, and plants would be closed now if that decision wasn't made. Uh, and that, you know, was a lot of work done by by harvesters. Uh, you know, if I had to think of you know the work we done on a federal scene to get the owner operator just the support. For inshore harvesters, that's really the backbone of the fishery. So we were able to get uh, legislation that said we're going to promote and protect inshore owner-operator harvesters. It's been a fight for a long time. We were able to get that done. No easy task. The first time the the, the Fisheries Act had been changed in, uh, I believe it was over 100 years. I have to go back. I could be corrected, but it was certainly is an old act. So there are a few that stand out. I mean, there's many more, but a few fundamental changes and certainly certainly the day-to-day interactions I'd, I'd consider highlights. And um, I know that uh, there's been a lot of work uh, to improve safety in fish plants and on uh, vessels as well. Um, what kind of work have you done there? So, again, this is, this is really another one where... Um, I'd say the the organization, the FFAW in particular, showing uh, leadership and our members making this a priority. And instead of just leaving it to, uh, you know, the union itself, uh, because they're always going to be certainly distracted because of, you know, whatever else is going on that day, whether it's uh, price disputes or management issues, but the establishment of standalone safety associations. So first was the Harvesting Safety Association. You may have seen uh, recent campaigns, for example, from from that group where FFAW was a partner, where personal locator beacons were made available uh, to harvesters at a you know a, a discount, a very reasonable rate, and 
and EPIRBs, which uh, of course go off when a, if, a, if it gets uh, a vessel unfortunately uh, goes goes uh, gets submerged or something like that. So some of these things that we're able to do, there's a whole host. And then uh, uh, in fish processing, a particularly difficult uh, job. I mean, there's, there's certainly long hours, repetitive strain. We deal with, you know, uh, it is a very uh, wet environments. There's issues around you know, like uh, shellfish, asthma, repetitive strain things. So it was a battle to get a, a manufacturing uh, uh, safety association made safe NL now with a standalone subcommittee for, for processing. So that was a tough uh, slog. Uh, definitely, you know, a lot of uh, barriers thrown up to it by many. But in the end, we were able to have that. And there was a, was a safety symposium this fall uh, for for the processing uh, side of things and manufacturing. And also, we just recently had one in harvesting. And the fact that they're able to, uh, those organizations spend day in, day day out focusing on on safety, that is uh, so important, and it's just one of those things that too often we take uh, take for granted. So, I mean, a lot of things, you know, uh, your quotas or the price of fish in a given day uh, don't seem to mean as much if people can't come home healthy and safe. So, you know, proud of the, the, the progress we've made in that department. And again, most of this work is done by, you know, volunteers who... Uh, who care? Who make this happen? You know, certainly having good to having support and the people working here. But uh, again, a lot of credit got to go to the, the leaders in the industry who uh, who who give in their volunteer their their time, which is valuable. Our guest today on On Target is the outgoing president of the FFAW, Keith Sullivan. We'll be back right after this. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Our guest today on On Target is Keith Sullivan, uh, president of the FFAW, who has announced that he is stepping down from the position. And Keith, you mentioned earlier that at times it can be pretty intense. I think we all know that. But I remember well. Uh, that big protest outside the FFAW offices there on Hamilton Avenue in St. John's, just at the very beginning of COVID. And there was a real uh, dispute over the, the price of crab and fish harvesters were frustrated and rightfully so. This is their livelihoods. There are the stakes are high. And I think a lot of people forget this. This isn't just a job. This is this is a vocation. This is a lifestyle. And there's big money involved. And of course, that that intensifies everything as well. And, and so the emotions were high. And uh, this is, was at the very beginning of uh, COVID-19. And, and nobody knew what this illness was or what it could do. And we, we would, had been hearing stories about people dying. And so there was this, this big uh, protest just outside the FFAW offices. And I couldn't help, I was there, and I couldn't help but think there's a lot of people now uh, who would see that kind of a gathering and feel that kind of um, frustration and intensity and and probably run away. And there you were, stood up with your mask on and your bullhorn uh, with nothing around you except Dave Decker. <laughs> and you were addressing um, this very intense situation 
one-on-one. You just went there and did it. it you know, it, it was is, is that something that's always been in you, that, that ability to uh, take what could some people would think would be a pretty intimidating or frightening situation and just deal with it? I, I don't know if it uh, if anything like kind of comes naturally, but you know I I I would say you know I can remember that day quite well. It was a Saturday Saturday morning, and you know it was wasn't really a surprise, but you you never know what'll happen. So went out and you know happy to 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 talk to to people at any time. You know obviously I understand very well how passionate people and up upset and it was it was an opportunity to to talk to people that day and i mean like who doesn't uh you know i feel bad for anyone who don't go to work every day with a bullhorn <laughs> no no but uh i i will say that uh you know during covid uh it was a time and you know it, it seems that the, the memory sometimes dull how intense things were at the time but i think you had said People didn't know uh, the intensity of it. It was uh, such a scary time. You know, the world had practically shut down. You know, a lot of kind of markets were collapsed. So it was the, the it was the human health thing. So it was a definitely a diverse sort of crowd there. There was many people actually at the time who were who were scared and did not want to fish. There were some who uh, were anxious, saying, "We got to get going and get fishing. If we don't do it now, we'll never get a chance to do it." So it was just you know people were legitimately uh, upset and concerned about their future and you know if I look back at a time where it was probably the most difficult it was definitely around that time uh, but at the same time it did show uh, you know the value of you know having a lot of good people around you know excellent leadership the FFAW our you know elected leaders in the inshore were talking regularly our executive it seemed like we were on calls uh, around the clock. It seemed like there was a lot of pressure from fish companies to to actually uh, uh, go fishing. They saw an opportunity, I think, to make uh, big money at the time. You know, if things uh, it looked like they had an opportunity for a lower price uh, to harvesters than it really should have been at the time. But it was, you know, it was just one of the most difficult situations we had dealt with. And they were really uh, looking to to get the fishery fishery going, but we had workers who were really really scared. So there was a whole host of things to deal with. But in the end, I I'm very like you know proud of the the, the leadership. We were able to have a, a successful season that year. We didn't have people uh, get COVID and get sick in and in, in the workplaces. And in the end, you know the the crab fishery and value grew from there. So I mean. You know, I I think you know the, the leadership there. Even though it was a difficult time, it was hard. To, it was hard during the season, and still with COVID and the pandemic going on, to to, to celebrate anything. Uh, I think in hindsight we can acknowledge that, despite how difficult it was and how stressful it was, uh, people did a very good job in what was a ridiculously horrendous uh, situation. I wish I could come in with a bullhorn every now and again. That would be kind of cool, actually. Um, the the pandemic, of course, has made, every, as you say, topsy-turvy, and uh, price negotiations, no doubt, were made a little bit more difficult uh, by that. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it turned the world on its uh, on its head. Uh, you know, the health, the health issues first, but then what 
markets when, when you know, pretty well most of the restaurants in the world were shutting down. It was hard to predict the impacts it would have. And, you know, luckily, in some ways, and I think surprisingly, some of our main, uh, our main seafood here that come out of the province, like crab and lobster, those in the the retail sector, particularly in the United States, just uh, bought it up and uh, the prices continued to uh, to rise. And it was a really surprising good development. And then, you know, kind of this year, for example, you would think that, okay, the re- restaurant business is coming back. We're coming back to a normal. We would continue uh, to do well, and uh, the world changed there uh, as well. You know, people in retail didn't come back to those products as much, and we saw prices, uh, you know, really collapse. Uh, and a lot of people, uh, you know, could never see that coming. You know, those who were living it every day just never saw those developments, and that makes it makes it really, really tough sometimes. So, uh, you know, they're, they're intense times, but in the end, like I said off the start of the show, we've been continually been able to uh, deliver uh, higher value and higher prices, and that's resulted in more money in people's pockets, uh, certainly over years. But I think there can be more developments made around uh, price negotiations. Uh, like I'd mentioned, we have a more transparent system in things like lobster and halibut, that really takes that animosity and everything else out. So I think it's incumbent on our provincial government, let's say Ministers Bragg, Davis, and certainly Premier Fury, uh, to have you know more transparent uh, information available uh, to to the parties. I, I think we get better results, and we can improve more on growing the value rather than having to tug of war uh, over who gets uh, a little bit more or less. You know, I think there's, 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 there's different approaches. We've had some successes, but it's definitely, definitely been difficult. In terms of some of the low points, uh, you obviously get to know your members and their families, for that matter. You spoke about, you know, speaking to people on their boats and on the wharves and the like, and uh, the uh, the dangers involved in the fishing industry are too well known, and we've seen uh, too many tragedies over the last number of years. What kind of an impact does it have uh, when these tragedies occur, especially for someone in a position like yours? Um, I mean, it hits really, really close to home. You know, these are people, uh, people you, uh, you know, you've been in their houses and stuff, and uh, you know, so that can be can be very difficult. And uh, you know, I think what I talked about, you know, before, what what we can do is to to focus our efforts on improving. Uh, safety, like things, you know, uh, this the, the, these personal locator beacons that we made available uh, to people, or the safety association did. Uh, it's something there, you know, having that piece of equipment, you know, getting that in the hands. Unfortunately, we couldn't get, uh, you know, government support for it. I thought it was an excellent opportunity to to partner on a good project, but we're able to do it with professional fish harvester certification board and uh, Fish Harvester Resource Centre and ourselves to get, you know, PLBs into people's hands. So this device, for example, it takes the, uh, you know, it it takes the search out of the search and rescue is what people would say. You know, people have a chance, and if we had this equipment, people could survive. So it's doing those those tangible things as how you react uh, to that as how we make a, a difference kind of going forward. So they're obviously tough, and I think people 
would recall an uh, incident in Labrador uh, last fall, and uh, we had, uh, you know, just discussed that uh, a lot at the at the safety association or the symposium um, this fall. I mean, had Jeanette uh, there from 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 Labrador, and she and really talked about the need for search and rescue. Uh, station in Labrador. You look at the map, and it's clearly an area where we need improvement. So I think taking those things on, make the industry, which is inherently uh, dangerous. I think we have to accept that. It, in some ways, it is. I understand how dangerous it is being on the water in a vessel. You know, it's unforgiving. So we got to do what we can to make it uh, as safe as we reasonably can too so i think you know taking and learning from those continuously try to improve that and i think you know this organization has done it and will continue uh, continue to do it but you know those personal uh personal stories and loss i mean are just 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 devastating and it's felt in every corner of the province, regardless of where it happens. It's felt everywhere. Our guest today on On Target is outgoing president of the FFAW, Keith Sullivan. We'll be back right after this. Your VOCM Mornings with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy, 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays on your VOCM. Yes, today is FFAW President Keith Sullivan, who is stepping down from the position after eight years at the helm. And what kind of challenges still lie ahead, Keith? Well, always, always going to be going to be challenges, and and in any any business we got, and you know, I look at particularly, you know, in 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 uh, the economy now some some headwinds and everything else the the cost of living the cost of goods so that's going to put some some challenges on on workers and on contracts i mean it kind of it affects everybody whether you're you know you're running a business or whether you're uh you're you're a worker so trying to trying to navigate your way through that is clearly going to be difficult We'll see the same things probably in in some uh, some fish species, you know, some some changing. We've obviously been doing very well in recent years, so that's uh, you know, so that can be always difficult. Um, so one of the things uh, I, I think has been really difficult getting acknowledgement from, particularly this is one for our provincial government, is you know, just uh, we've seen a lot of concentration by processing uh, companies, a lot of control exerted by a small few there. So I alluded to it earlier, they have to acknowledge it and do something about it to make sure that uh, those people who are working in the in the fishery here uh, are put on level footing when it comes to collective bargaining. So it's been a clear lack of response by uh, our, you know, our provincial government and clearly more supportive of the processing companies than there are you know people who are fishing in the fishing communities to date now we did have a report that uh, you know uh, around the fishing industry collective bargaining act that spoke to addressing some of that and we hope that uh, that the premier and uh, the ministers will address that i mean that's something that has been slow to come and I really felt that there's, you know, much more uh, support for those larger companies than, uh, than than the fishermen, and that's been disappointing. So that'll be a challenge. 
And another thing uh, that we saw this past year that was really disappointing was the ability to flip a contract. So, you know, a lot of focus in the conversation when we when we talk is on the fishery, and understandably so. But you know, we we represent a lot of other workers in in the province as well, and we represent workers on the the valet site in Long Harbour. We have a contract uh, negotiated for workers in maintenance out there. And then this year, uh, that company, Valley International Mining Giant, can uh, decide to retender the contract. Uh, so these were workers with Tenacon who had a contract in place, doing a, doing a great job. Over 150 people, you know, thought you had some stability. And in our labor laws, this company is allowed to flip the contract, basically say, hey, we'll you know, you got 30 days, we're going to get somebody else to bid on that. And what essentially that is, is getting a company to come in, uh, you know, cutting wages and labor and things like that. And, you know, okay, it's one thing for the valet to to do that, uh, but it's another thing for our provincial ministers and premiers and everything else to say, hey, yeah, we understand, you know, 150 people. You may have mortgages, bought houses, have kids in school, made a plan based on your contract, but no, you're allowed to be thrown out of a job here uh, in 30 days, and you may have an option to go, you know, go back to work for the other contractor. You might get 20% less, but to allow that to happen in an, an economy, a country like Canada, a province like Newfoundland and Labrador just shows that it does not respect workers. And up to this point, you know, Minister Davis, you know, basically the response has said, you know, that's okay. We feel it's okay to treat people and workers like that despite them having a contract. So, you know, that has to change. I think that should be a, an easy one here. And these, you know, very successful international companies shouldn't be able to do that to people with the blessing of our of our government. So, uh, you know, we're still uh, working uh, with uh, the crew out there uh, from, from Long Harbour, and there'll be more discussions on representation of those people, but it's unfortunate that that can happen here in the province and hope we can uh, overcome some of those challenges so other workers don't have to go through that. How do you feel about the uh, shape of the union right now and what you're leaving behind? I feel, you know, very, very good. I mean, a prosperous uh, future, uh, you know, just look back at, okay, what, like I said, the last eight years have been the most valuable in the fishery. Uh, the the union has over 30 people, uh, full-time staff, more than that, who do science work and things uh, in in summertime and in season so people who are incredibly skilled talented hard work and get up every single day working for the membership whether that is the industrial side like those uh working on uh you know you know offshore vessels or 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 for tugs or oil uh transport or whether it's people working in fish processing, Molson Brewery, or whether it's people in the inshore fishing vessels. So all sectors, you know, you have a, an awful lot of people working for them, and we're on the leading edge of science. Uh, we have good relationships, you know, certainly internationally, and I think most important, what makes the organization is a very solid uh, core of elected uh, leadership, whether that's committees or whether that's, you know, starting with the executive down to 
our councils and the inshore fishing sector and the industrial sector and then all the committees all the way through like the amount of experience and commitment uh never really see it before i think you know people who are part of the ffaw should be certainly thankful for it and you know i think uh we're certainly in a, a very good place you know uh as part of Unifor nationally, also was a big year. Obviously, Lana Payne, FFAW member, is now uh, the president, became the president, uh, first uh, woman uh, president of Unifor, the largest private sector union in the country. So, be able to be affiliated with uh, with that group is certainly, you know, puts us in a in a strong position on a national scene. So, there's so many uh, good things. It's hard to kind of list them all out, but you know definitely on very very solid footing and uh you know that gives me lots of confidence that the future is going to remain remain bright for uh the ffaw members in this province so what happens now as you prepare to ride into the sunset when's your last day and what what will happen now through that transition well um the the executive asked me to stay on uh, until the, the new president is put in place which will be actually early January, so time is getting very short now. So uh, it's been uh, kind of busy days just uh, preparing uh, notes, continuing with meetings. It seems like not a lot has necessarily changed in the last couple of weeks, uh, kind of day-to-day. has been uh, been busy times. So, you know, uh, I was happy that they, they asked me to do that, you know. It certainly showed that they were, you know, happy to ha- have me on, and I was happy to do that work and I'll continue to be be there if anyone has any any questions after early January for that matter as well but I do know that we got an experienced group uh, you know leadership like Jason Spingle who's been with the union just about 25 years so I feel pretty good that they're in good hands but I'll certainly I'll I'll, I'll pick up the phone if if anyone's calling and uh want to know or have any advice but uh Beyond that, I guess I'll uh, certainly turn my attention to some of the other things I talked about, uh, certainly with family, and then discuss and uh, kind of consider what my options are for the next steps in the in in the new year. You know, so that that'll be it. I guess uh, that'll be my job for the winter, among some of the other things. Uh, maybe spend a little bit of time at things I I never did enough of over the last two decades. Indeed, and hopefully you'll be making some of those decisions while you're on a beach somewhere. <laughs> um, but um, uh, here's your chance now. Two minutes left. Uh, final thoughts to your membership, to our listeners. Well, I gotta say, uh, it's just been an absolute uh, uh, privilege working with the the people I have over the past two decades. You know, particularly our members, you know, uh, certainly staff as well. So, you know, it's it wasn't a decision I would have uh, come to very easily. Uh, really mixed emotions. I know I will miss certainly parts of it every single day, uh, but I, I guess the, the, the proper words is just a real big thank you to those to those people who've worked so hard and worked with me in those times. And I just say that, uh, you know, this this organization, I really believe it has been, like uh, I said before, the, the heartbeat and lifeblood, particularly of the coastal uh, coastal part of our province. And I, you know, I, I think it's going to be continue to be that influential piece that makes sure that we're, we're relevant and prosperous and, and 
do well going into a future that's changing very quickly. We just have to look at all the, the developments that, that we see of course of other places like the the wind uh, energy and things like that but uh, I'm just I'm very grateful uh, proud of the work that the union has done and I know that's going to continue to be done so thank you Keith, thanks once again. Uh, you've always been uh, readily available. Anytime we've picked up the phone looking for a response to anything that's happening in the news, you're always there, always available. Uh, so uh, from a, in terms of a, of a reporter, that's always good news. So thanks very much for that. And all the best to you now in your future endeavors, as the saying goes. Uh, do enjoy a bit of time off because I know how important that is. And, um, and hopefully we'll be speaking to you in some capacity in future. Uh, in the meantime, have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yep. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and uh, everybody listening and certainly FFAW members. Uh, So thanks so much again and always a pleasure talking with you, Linda. And uh, once again, thanks so much. And we'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for another show. We're going to be talking about uh, Newfoundland heritage animals. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, everyone.